Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. Hello, loyal listeners. It's Adam here and I just wanted to get in early on this episode of Red or Yellow to remind you to please, please, please send in your questions about refereeing or anything you feel like you might need help with in terms of your game. That's why we are here, to help you improve to be a better referee. We really enjoy getting questions from our listeners as voice notes via email or DM or on social media. Being able to help you is why we created this podcast and to offer our insights and to be able to help you by drawing on our experience. Added to that, if you are a very fit listener, then please don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. It's at Red or Yellow Pod. As well as remember to like and subscribe in your podcast feed. Thank you so much for being here. And let's get on with the show. Well, hello, Edward. Good evening, Adam. How this is are twice you? in one week. I know, isn't well, it? Twice in seven days. Even my fiance doesn't see that much. Because <laughs> we recorded, what, a week ago today? We recorded on the Friday night, didn't we? Because it was before the FA Cup final. Yeah, it was before um, my, my game at Wynnum. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did your game go? Is it all right? Yeah, no, it was. It was one of those... Um, it was one of those classic games where context is very important and just kind of knowing... No, like, I, I haven't refereed Wynnum Wolves this season before, but knowing they were top of the league, they're pressing, like first and second in the league and then yeah. um the other team Southside Eagles they were they're like a good mid-table useful club you know um and I've had them a few times this season and you just kind of knew that Southside Eagles would try and disrupt Wynnum from getting into their flow they'd be a bit more physical and and all the rest of it and so like the first 10 minutes you know I let a tackle or two kind of go in and just try to manage it a little bit and then I, I became acutely aware that if I let this continue I'm going to be in trouble for the game. So then, you know, there was a, another tackle yeah. went in in the middle of the field, bang, yellow card. I didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm, I just need to set a standard now. And then one went in for the other team, bang, yellow card, just to keep it nice and balanced. Um, both warranted a yellow card, but also I really needed them. And so I got them. And um, and then after that, bang, not another, not another issue in the whole game. And like, so like, it's one of those games where once you set that standard and you let everyone know what is acceptable to you and what isn't acceptable to you, everyone just falls into place. And, and like, it was a really tough first 15 minutes. And then after that, it just got easier and easier and easier. And the players were complimentary about it as well. They were like, you know, like, you know, they, they, they yeah, I mean, they complimented me, which was nice basically. And, um, and so it was, uh, yeah, so it actually went well. When when is the season run in Australia then? Because what you just started your season, have you? Or we're we're yes. practically halfway through right now. So oh, really? but it, it but the A League, so the professional season, runs concurrently with um, the European season. So um, so it has right. to run has to run in line with FIFA, I suppose, because of international games and things. So um, so yeah. unfortunately, all of the professionals they play over summer. But the community leagues and yeah. the, you know the semi-professional leagues that we're in, um, they Keeps they the run seasons. over the winter. Yeah. Although one thing I am struggling with at the yeah. moment is I've got plantar fasciitis. You ever had it? No. God, it is awful. Like is it truly, ah, oh, it's like 
I can't. And is, is that just from running about on hard ground? I think it could be. Is that, is that from running it, around on hard ground? or From what I can tell, um, a lot of it has to do with calf tightness. And so my calves are usually quite tight. I've had a few calf injuries. So I wonder if I've just pushed too much and gone too far. My boots weren't comfortable enough on hard ground and it has caused issues. I've changed my boots now, but it's been painful. Yeah, it's been very painful. It's got better today. Yeah. Um, it feels okay this morning. But yeah, I have to just keep stretching my feet out and ice it and freeze them before the game and take some painkillers. And I'm, I'm getting through the games, but it's painful elsewhere. So hopefully I can stretch it out and get, get through it. Yeah, so that's another little bridge that I'm having to cross, um, unfortunately, but that's okay. And have you got a, ga- got a game today? Yes, I do. I've got yeah, Southwest yeah. Queensland Thunder versus... Um, who's playing? Oh, top of the league, um, uh, Surface Paradise. So last week I had the team that were first or second, and now this week I've got the team that are first or second. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be... It'll be interesting. I mean... Um, look, I like both clubs a lot. Um, they're both really good clubs, so it should be a good game of football, and I'm looking forward to it. And I've also invited a few of the younger refs into the stadium to uh, to watch a game, have a chat with me after about the game, and and come down into the dressing room and just kind of see what see how we handle the game and what we do and stuff. So that'd be nice. Yeah, I'd see. Then you just your words disappeared. You lost you. You lost me. You just see, yeah, oh, you no. just you, you just kind of went, yeah. Oh, that's sad. I um so I said uh I said, yeah, I've got Southwest Queensland Thunder versus Surface Paradise. Apollo. No, yeah, I got that bit. It's the bit oh. you said they come down to the to the oh, yeah. dressing so room and so in my new role as a referee support officer, I thought oh, it'd be nice to invite some referees down to um see me and see how we handle a game and, and see how kind of you know in a stadium how we do it and what it's like and stuff. Um so I invited them to the stadium. And they're going to come and watch and they'll come down to the dressing room, have a Q&A with us after. So I thought it'd be quite a nice way cool. of trying to inspire some younger people. Yeah. Just have a good game then, Adam. Bit, bit awkward well, if yeah, it's exactly. too, too many talking points. I missed two red cards, right? <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What have you got to? Have you refereed? Do you had any game? Uh, no, well, it's, it's season's ended. So no refereeing at the moment. I'm refereeing in a sort of five-side football tournament. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, but no, that's it now until sort of September time, yeah, late August, September time. So just holiday season now, which is nice. Um, Wait, just trying you, to assess as to you, you were on holiday during the season, so <laughs> yeah, no, I meant like holiday from you know, from refing. football, right? Okay, uh, cool. and just just debating as to been sort of filling out my referee re- registration forms. So, reminder to everybody if you haven't done it yet to fill in your referee registration forms for next season. So I've been doing that, realised that um, my safeguarding qualification was out of date, so I had to do a fairly tedious online safeguarding course, which um, didn't work properly, so that took up twice as much time as it should have done. And I realised that I've, from the days of my fostering, I've still got my enhanced um, DBS. DBS, um, yeah. yeah, CRB, DBS. So I was inquiring of the London FA whether or not they could accept that, even though it's not uh, expressly for the FA, so they can, as they put it, port it across, to at least give me the option if I wanted to do um, youth football. And oh, wow. for our youth football, it wouldn't be going, but it certainly wouldn't be going back to the sort of the young, young football that I did before. Yeah. I was thinking more sort of, you under know, um, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so that's that's been my week really. Um, so 
news. Uh, I was going to talk first of all because the last episode, Lacey had written in and asked us about which law would change. You say yes, you said shin pads, and I now, said now, well, and now and now I'm on the inside track of football Queensland. It's, I'm going to make it one of my little badges of honour when I get shin pads changed. I'm telling you. <laughs> Well, my my immediate response last week was to say it probably would be connected to the handball law, and then rather coincidentally, that was that view was cemented the following day, because the next day was the FA Cup final, mm. and so just to recap on the handball law, I'm sure everybody knows already, but in, in so far as handball, if you are in the penalty area and your arms are in an unnatural position and it hits your arm, it is a penalty. Um, now, I, this is this is the problem I've got because the old the old law was whether it was deliberate handball or not, right? And that was an assessment which the referee made. Now I think this law is totally absurd, and I'm I'm rather pleased that after the FA Cup final, lots and lots of pundits and ex referees have come out and said this is a mess that they need to sort it out, and let's hope this will happen next season. I don't know if we saw the FA Cup final, but there was a a penalty given to Man United. Uh, where two players go up to head the ball. Jack Grealish is sort of de- de- you know, defending. He jumps up to head the ball. And the Man United player gets the ball first, and it heads it, and it hits Jack Grealish on the arm. Now, yeah, Jack Grealish's arm was out to his side, right? There's no doubt about that at all. And there's no doubt that under the new laws, that is an unnatural position because arms naturally are by your side. But it was an absurdity because it was quite clear that Jack Grealish was just trying genuinely to play the ball. It came off the player. He had no chance at all to move his arms away. As for whether or not even is an unnatural position, I mean, how what, how do you assess what's a natural and unnatural position when someone is jumping at a bit of an angle to try and get the ball? I mean, what, what is a natural position for someone who jumps? I don't think you naturally have your arms by your side when you jump up to, you know, to try and head the ball in that situation. And it's quite frankly, is an absurdity that in a big cup final, some a decision like that, a, a non-deliberate handball could have influenced the outcome of the game. And I'm I'm certain that's not what the lawmakers want. I appreciate they wanted to bring about a degree of certainty. And this does bring about a bit of certainty because everybody knows now when you see, you know, VAR shows you someone's arm is out, whether they knew it was coming or not, whether they had the opportunity to take the wrong way, we all know it's a penalty now. But I just right. don't think Generally, that's how we want, you know, handball to be, you know, adjudicated. But I think it's, I think it's wrong. I think needs to go back to being deliberate or accidental. Um, we're all perfectly capable of making that assessment, and that would make things a lot more sensible, in my view. I'm looking at it now. Like a, this is the first I've heard of it, and it looks like they're kind of both running into the box, and the balls come over the top. The defenders Correct. headed it, and Jack Grealish's hand is up in the air yeah now that is not a natural that is not a natural position for someone's hand to be in as he is running as he is defending like the way you was describing it made me think the way uh, the way you described it made me think like they were both jumping up at like a corner to defend a corner and his arms are up as he's jumping and that's why his arms are out there and i'd agree with you in that sense i think having your arms out wide in that situation for balance in air to to get lift is a natural position it just doesn't look natural when you look at it as an image. Um, I mean, granted, I'm only looking at the image. No, of course it doesn't. If you not seen the freeze, um... fr- if you freeze frame it, yeah, it is. It is a handball. His arms in an unnatural position. But the point is, is that it's quite it's quite clear that he 
knew nothing about it. Didn't intend to do it. It didn't prevent a goal scoring opportunity. It's just it's just wrong. You know, you shouldn't be there shouldn't be infringements when people are just trying to play the game. And it, you know, you do have to watch it at, at the speed at which it was being played. Yeah, because that helps you both appreciate the fact that it wasn't just a ball that was just going up in the air. It was coming in at a trajectory at pace at an angle. He's running back to try and sort of jump towards it. And this, the, 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 it's a fraction of a second between when it comes mm. off the Man United player and hits his arm. I, I mean, um, I agree distance. I, I don't like the fact that, well, it is kind of in there and it's kind of not. And you can still sell a decision based on how close he was to the ball as to how much he could get his arm out of the way. Um, so I... But you can't... But that, that there's no discretion about that, though. I mean, if if if, if you take the view that... I mean, I, I, I don't know how you define natural position. That's the problem. I mean, it just says natural position. I think and it's, that, I think natural position depends on what action they're trying to do at the time. Yeah, of course it does. Is and I think, I think actually that, I think it actually gives referees a much greater scope um, of, of selling it to not be a handball. You see, like maybe I think the issue is we're walking down a path of where when the ball hits the hand, we're looking for it to be a handball. But if you look for all the reasons why it could not be a handball, you're probably going to be a bit safer because given handballs, are um I don't know players want them all the time and they can be very disruptive to the game because the ball hits the hand a lot, right? Um generally, like yeah. not a lot, but it does happen. Um, you know, in tackles, when the ball is real close, when defenders are defending, um, you know, and and they can't get that, they can't move out of the way. So I think looking for it to be, or I, whenever I see the ball hit the hand, I look for many reasons. Like I'm always quite slow on giving a handball because I'm trying to see if I can justify it not being a handball first. And um, generally I look to, the main things I look to is, has the ball, has the ball hit his hand and then dropped at his feet and therefore he's gained a ridiculous advantage by it hitting his hand, whether the hand is in a natural or unnatural position anyway. And the other thing I always look for is, um, it's kind of like how close they are, how fast the ball's coming in. Like it's it's all about that context. And I think in this instance, you're saying the context of it is un, is puts Jack Grealish in why it shouldn't be a handball. And, and that's maybe fair and right. But yeah. I, I, it, I think, you know, rather than us, I mean, players and coaches will always look for reasons for it to be a handball. Has the ball hit the hand, it's handball. And they'll always say that. So your job is to actually build a much greater case as to why it isn't. And then I think it's a much easier sell. You go, no, he's too close. You can go, no, he had no idea. You can just say whatever you want in that situation to just let play continue. And then, I don't know whether you saw the Europa Conference League final, um, West Ham. I'm in Australia, um, mate. You don't get to see anything, really. But um, <laughs> I... Uh, uh, West Ham versus Fiorentina. But there was, there was another amble penalty. Right. And this one, I think, was clearer. I mean, the, the ball... Um, it's sort of in the air and the West Ham player has an advantage over the defender who's behind him and the defender is moving his arms and in moving his arm forward, he effectively punches the ball beyond the, 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 the you know, the immediate yeah. space in front of the West Ham player. And that one I thought was much easier to understand. I think it was an unnatural position and there's an obvious advantage, you know, disadvantage to the attacking player. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, for me, the, the the handball law needs to go back to to what it was. I'd, I'd retain certain elements. I, I I agree with the 
the law as it stands, whereby if it hits any player's hand um, and then it leads to a goal, that it, it's a handball. I, I agree with that. I think that's, that's everyone understands that brings about certainty. Mm. But yes, yeah, it's, it's this natural, unnatural position. I think we should be going back to deliberate and uh, accidental. But I'd be no, very. Yes, that was one piece of news. I'd be very interested to find out what the listeners think about it, how they manage it, how they, um, what they think of the law, whether they find there's a discrepancy between what they do on the field and what they see on the telly, stuff like that. Because it is one of those laws. It's one of those laws. It's a bit like offside handball. Like everyone seems to have a different opinion of it and everyone wants it to be what it's not. Um, so yeah, it would be interesting I, to I, find out. I, I think it makes it makes it more difficult now under the new law to, to not give pens because everybody's just got used to this idea of, of, you know, unless the hand is by your side, if it hits the player under the laws, it's, it's not unnatural position and it's a pen. And I think it makes it much more difficult now as a referee to, to not give one, because I don't really think there's much discretion in that. If you take the view of the arms in an unnatural position, whether they were, you know, a foot away from them and had no chance at all, doesn't really matter. But anyway, there we go. But that just answers Lacey's question, but it's also sort of um, news. Yeah. Uh, another interesting bit of news this week. Um, you didn't see the uh, Conference League final between West Ham and Fiorentina, but I did uh, send a screenshot to you this mm. week. So, again, looking at the sort of referee forums. So, just to set the position, um, in the first half... You should be a commentator, uh, West Ham play... <laughs> In the first half, uh, West Ham player, um, he got booked for simulation. Okay. He dove, yeah. And it, and it was a, it was a, the referee was spot on. He got that completely right. Um, and what was so he's on a yellow card. Then second half, there's a penalty for West Ham, and he takes the penalty. <laughs> and his goal celebration, he runs over to the West Ham fans. Jumps up on the hoardings mm. and is effectively kind of being embraced by the fans. The fans. Now, there, I think there's another quite important piece of background information, which I think is relevant here. If you hadn't seen the game, you wouldn't have seen this. But the West Ham fans were constantly throwing items on the pitch every time there was a corner for Fiorentina. Yeah, so there's a player, fan behaviour. A player got... Um... A player got Correct. hit in the head, didn't he? It was bleeding from a, the, being hit by a vape. Yep. The, the captain got, uh, Fiorentina captain got hit by a vape that mm. caused him immediately to bleed and had to have his head taped. So you've got a crowd which is misbehaving and it was quite clear. West Ham being fans misbehaving. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not saying You've got to be kidding me. Of, West Ham fans there'll be, misbehaving. There'll be a lot of West Ham fans listening. I'm not, not, in I'm not my going to incur the wrath of them. Not in my <laughs> lifetime. I'll happily incur the wrath of them. I've spent last... 15 years of my life incurring their wrath. I'll carry on. So the player has gone over to the hoardings. Now, what is crystal clear from the law is that is a, a must give a yellow card situation, right? Yep. Must give. Yep. There's no discretion that at all. And I think that the aggravating element of that offence was the nature of the crowd, danger of things boiling over, um, et cetera, et cetera. The referee um, did Just not a give a yellow card. Yeah. And this has caused a real stir. Polar uh, opposites argument about application of the law um, and managing the, the game and the event. 
And this is a really difficult one. I find this really, really difficult. Um, it's really hard. It is really hard. I mean, I know that we go slightly opposing views on this because there is no discretion for the referee in that situation. And we expect the referee to uphold unambiguous laws and See, I'm smiling. give the yellow cards. <laughs> I'm smiling because there yeah, is, hey, you're there smiling. Is. Right. I, well, look, there is. I, I, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Okay. It's really difficult. Was, no. The player was Ben Rama, by the way. I couldn't remember. But yeah. It's ben yeah Rama. I, I, I think this is very difficult because everyone who's in those forums and everyone who is passing comment on it in that the referee was wrong or not wise to um to give the uh to give the yellow card the second yellow have never refereed a European Cup final. Okay, because there's a very select no. panel of referees who have refereed a European Cup final. And I would hasten a bet. If you were to speak to any of those referees or any of the referees who were at the World Cup, they would all, to a man, probably say to send a player off in a cup final for a technical offence like that um, is being is not showing empathy for football, is not showing what the game expects. Okay. And and this is this is really hard. Look, if the reason the law is there, the reason like that yellow card law is there when someone jumps into a crowd, is because it can wind people up. It can incite. It's it's more yeah. it's more if he was to go and do it towards the Fiorentina fans, right? Like it's it's to stop players inciting violence um, from fans. It's to stop players winding fans up. It's to stop players going into opposing technical areas and celebrating in front of them, like trying to cause aggravation for aggravation's sake. Celebrating with your own, celebrating with um, with you know the people who have supported you all season and stuff. I think you could argue there is a little more understanding and and he's not inciting anyone in that sense not not directly indirectly potentially is that worthy of ending a european cup final on the spot like sending a player off for it like i get it if it was a dangerous tackle if he punched someone if he spat at someone if he headbutted someone if he lunged at someone like in in footballing terms like in the game of football you have no choice in that sense right but for technical things like this, and it also depends on how strong the referee feels, how comfortable the referee felt in in his ability to manage the event at large. Um, and I reckon by that point he was probably probably feeling a bit better because it was probably a little while after the guy got hit with the vapes, I think, um, and stuff. So I think potentially, I totally, I personally totally get why he didn't send him off. Um, you're right, letter of the law, but you know it's what the game expects you always in the back of your head have to have what the game expects what the game expects it's similar to what we're talking about with handball you have to give what the game expects and the reason you dislike the handball rule at the moment is because you feel like a lot of the handballs are going against your expectation of football and therefore you think there's something wrong with the law um you know i, well, I, mean, that's, I just think that's that when, when you've got to look at that. var and pour over, you know, images time and time again. Right, and the, yeah, and the, yeah, and that, it, that's fine. I get that. It's just not right. No, no, um, I, I totally understand that. But I think what the game expects is is 
important here. And I think in a cup final, you do end up with having to manage that event. You know, if he'd have sent him off, and, and the other argument is if he'd have sent him off for that, would that have caused more problems in the stadium? Have you considered that? But the, I, I understand that no one wants to ruin a big event on a technical infringement. I understand all that. And I, and I understand that no one the, wants to see that happening. The players should know better. But it, it, they should know better. But it's more than that. I think it creates a real problem for grassroots referees because it it means there's one set of laws for the grassroots referee, another set of laws for the professional game, which and it's already difficult enough to referee at grassroots level, you know, anyway. And there there is no ambiguity about that section of the law. The section of the law says must. Uh, yep. there's, there's no discretion at all. I've so got... when do you when do you disapply mandatory laws? For the benefit of the game, I mean, I think it makes it very difficult for grassroots referees. I agree, but I've got news for you: football is not even throughout the pyramids, right? FIFA have had this thing for a long time, which is why they didn't want to bring in VAR because they wanted football to be exactly the same in the Premier League as it was in under 11s. Like football had to be the same, but then you know, and that yeah. is just a nonsense. The whole thing is a nonsense because it's just not one. My field gets flooded. I don't have floodlights like in the community, right? The field gets flooded. I don't have technical teams. I don't have physiotherapists. I don't have fourth officials. The game isn't, I don't even have blinking assistants in the park. So the game isn't level anyway. I agree. It does make life harder, but unfortunately people just need to get wiser. You know, the, the player, the player on the field or you know, like, you know, how many times have you said to players on the pitch, guys, this ain't the Premier League. Come on, you can't be doing that. Do you know what I mean? Or or you said, well, what yeah. do you expect? You know, like, this, this is the level we're playing at. And you you probably, as the referee, a good way of managing that is setting the standard with the players at the level they're at. You should, and if they go, oh, you know, what are you doing? Like, they did this yesterday, you know, at, at, at Norwich City or whatever. Um, that was a strange reference, wasn't it? Why do I think of Norwich City? Um, and, uh, you know, you just go, yeah, but we're not at Norwich City. We're not at Carrow Road, are we? We're here at Hackney Marshes. So the game's a bit different, I'm afraid, gentlemen. Let's, um, let's you know, respect yeah. that and just understand that it can't be a replicated sport throughout the pyramid. And I, unfortunately, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I get it. I understand it. But, you know, when you've done... You know, I, I mean, I haven't done games at that level, but I, I notice a big difference as you as I've gone up the pyramid of football, just how different the game is. I've even noticed a massive difference in different countries, right? I don't know where the referee was from, but, you know, from England to Australia, even when we did that European tournament in Rome, like managing the different uh, cultures of the teams, the Italians, the French, the, yeah. think, uh, you know. Um, not easy. It, it's not easy at all. And so you have to take all of that into context too. Yeah, that's very, very true. And the last two pieces, well, the last really piece of, uh, I know there's two pieces of, piece of news I was going to do with. The first, I was just going to say, we spoke last week about the uh, Roma Sevilla game, the abuse that that um, Mourinho got. Um, no, the just, abuse Mourinho gonna, gave. Oh, Mourinho gave, sorry. I was going to find I compared, I, I compared it to Donald Trump. And interestingly, I was speaking to a colleague of mine called Troy about that the other day. Um, and he completely agreed with my metaphor. Thank you. He was like, you are completely right. I was like, thanks. Like you, Troy. Um, so the, the two interesting points that followed from that, 
three things actually. First of all, uh, there are rumours going around that UEFA were going to open an investigation into his refing of the game. Um, that was being spread, it seems, in Italy. And UEFA said, no, not at all. We're not, we weren't unhappy with his performance. Second thing was uh, UEFA have invited him, I think, and his family to be guests at the Champions League final after their sort of unpleasant experience uh, when they left. Um, was it Bulgaria they were in last week? I can't remember. Pest, but, Hungary. Uh, but yeah. And then finally, Mark Halsey or Halsey, I don't know how pronounce his yeah. name, the former, you know, Premier Yeah. He's been very vocal this week saying that um, he described the behaviour of both sets of teams and a, and um, the fans, a fish, uh, no, sort of the, the players and the sort of the management Officials. as being absolutely shameful. Mm. And he's calling for a minimum six game ban for Mourinho. He's calling for point penalties for both teams for their next participation in um, European competition. So it's just interesting to see that. You know, I wasn't alone in my outrage at, at what happened. Um, no, rightly so. And I think, I think points deductions is the way forward to, to manage us in a much better way now. And then the last piece of news, I thought we should probably um, mention the fact that there were two uh, referees that retired this week from football. The first of which was the referee who refereed the um, Europa Conference final between West Ham Fiorentino. Mm. He is uh, Carlos Del Caro Grande. Do you, that, do you want to give that another go? <laughs> well, that was pretty good, to be honest. What um, is it? Carlos? Carlos Carlo? Del Caro Grande. There we go. I'm assuming he, he's you did the typical. You did the typical English thing. If in doubt, just put a weird accent on it. It sounds okay. I know how to pronounce Spanish words. I've got Latin GCSE and a French degree. I can, I can work it out. But Carlos, he was... Carlos Del Caro Grande. That'll do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I hope he gets in um, touch. He, I was rather surprised actually. He looked, he looked very young. Young, and, yeah. And then I, then I read he was retiring, and I thought, blimey! And he's actually forty-seven. He doesn't look forty-seven, but wow. he was retiring. He's been doing international football since twenty thirteen. He was at the Euros in twenty twenty, and he was a La Liga ref from two thousand eleven to two thousand twenty-three. And then the other referee who has um, retired this week, and this was significant because I don't know what you saw on social media, but the referee is another referee from the Spanish League. Um, this time it's uh, Mateo Lajos, or Lajos, Lajos, who you would recognise his face because he has done quite a lot of international stuff. But interestingly, he was retiring after, I think, 288 games in La Liga. He was 40, he's 46, but... What was significant about it was at the end of the game, he got a guard of honour from yeah, the players. I saw that. Yeah. And he was sort of walked off crying. And it was obviously a really, really emotional thing. But I mean, it's not often you get see referees getting appreciated or applauded. Um, I thought that was a really, really nice. And the fans as well were all sort of up, you know, it was a um, teams I think were. Um, Mallorca, it was Mallorca playing, I think. He's, and team, interestingly, but. he's only 46. So in yeah. comparison to the other guy, I mean, he looks a lot older than 46. He looks a lot he? older than, <laughs> yeah, he absolutely does. Yeah, poor, he definitely poor, looks a lot older. Poor Matteo Loth. He's but, from um, Al- Alghimia. Cool. But, so there we go. That's the end of the news. He's um, a beauty teacher. Is he? Yeah, there you go. Lots so of good referees. Do a quick 
postbag question or two before we yeah, try to finish off that never-ending Law 12? Why not? So I was at a uh, social last night, a social event with uh, Football Queensland. We went to putt-putt, which to you and I is basically crazy golf. Mini golf, yeah. Yes. And um, and uh, I was chatting to an Italian who's he's in charge of coaching development. So he's one of the coaches' coaches in, in Queensland. And he looked at me and asked me, why are you a referee? And, uh, <laughs> and I thought it was a really good question. Um, and he, he, he said he was quite astounded by my answer. I was like, why? Because he kind of thought, I thought he meant, why, why would you, like, why would anyone do that job? But that's not what he meant. He wanted to know, like, why do I see myself so much as a referee? Like, what's my position in football as a referee? And he was talking about sort of management and, and all the different pillars of coaching and how they balance all of that. And he said, I imagine we're referee and management is one of the biggest aspects of the game. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. So, um, so I thought I'd ask you that, Edward. Why are you a referee? Well, my, my answer, I suspect, is very similar to a lot of our listeners' answers. Um, I kind of got involved in refereeing because of a, a, a need for it. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I was involved in LGBT. Q plus football and we were having to going through a very difficult phase at the time of the FA refusing to allow affiliated refs to referee unaffiliated mm. football yes. and I, I get the arguments about insurance etc cetera, etc cetera. but it was a it was a real problem for us because on the one hand the FA were telling us they're being pro-diversity at the same time putting a massive hurdle in the way massive obstacle to allow us to actually have competitive football so um I literally it was a business need situation whereby I thought, well, if I, you know, get my referee qualification and every club in our league has a referee, then we'll always have referees to be able to do the game. So we would have a problem. Um, and interestingly, it was that, that didn't solve all the problems because a lot of the referees who actually qualified, um, you know, were given fairly strong, stern warnings about the consequences of being found to be refereeing unaffiliated football, mm. to be wearing the FA badge while surging unaffiliated mm. football. I absolutely didn't give a monkeys about that because I was absolutely hoping that the FA were going to and. make an example of me and um, I was going to, you know, go for them in a mm. big way. But it, it just never happened. And Good. the other thing, the other, and I also wanted to, to remain involved in football because I'd stopped playing through injury and I thought I want to remain involved in the game. I've been in involved in coaching, playing and managing for sort of over mm. 10 years at that point. And it was a good way for me to keep involved and you met final me thing I was, and i met you <laughs> um and the final thing i would say that i always thought that you know my my skill set was very well suited towards being an arbiter um i mean i remember i mean i generally remember in the school playground when i was at, at my middle school so i remember that um even though i was Sorry, your middle school what kind of posh ass school did you go to? Most well, people had most people had primary. primary school, junior school, and senior school. No, None no, we're primary, middle school, middle and secondary school. Oh golly! Um, where was where was this in the home counties? Was it? Sorry, of course, of course, of course. Um, but I remember as a kid making. <laughs> did you go, did making... you go to Winchester Boys School or something? Did you? No. I bet you did, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, that posh. But I actually made my own yellow and red cards, and oh, I would wow. referee. Oh, I'd referee you, in the school playground. I, I bet you was a popular kid at school. <laughs> but I just, I, I was, you know, I, I'm just a. I've always felt I'm quite good at. Yeah, you know, 
Oh, I understand being that. an arbiter, and that's led to my career, professional exactly, career right. as well. So the skill set's there. Exactly. So yeah, so those are my three reasons. So, so what's your reason or reasons? Oh, it's nowhere near as um, cut and dry as that. The first, the first thing I said to him was, well, you know, when people say I did a good job, it's good for my ego. So I quite like that. <laughs> um, but no, in truth, I like I've always viewed my role like with children and that I've always viewed my role as like, or even with adults as like, I like to be the coach of the laws of the game for them. So I try and coach them through the laws of the game so that they understand the game so much better. And therefore it makes life easier for the referees to do that. But really, really and truly it's like, I was never a good player. Like I just wasn't, I don't really have sporting genes. I don't, my mom and dad would only let me play cup football on a Saturday morning. I was never yeah, allowed to make, play. Make, makes sense now. So I used to beat you in tennis quite regularly. So I Thanks, kind of all, right. all works. Yeah. All right, fine. And, um, and so, <laughs> uh, should we go for a run, Ed? Shall we? Um, and, <laughs> well, how, many mar- uh, how many marathons have you done, Adam? Oh my god. Just out of interest. How how many miles have you done and how many have you done under four hours? I have a congenital heart defect, thank you. Um and done one marathon, haven't you? I have. What what was your time? Uh it was I completed the marathon. (laughs) Wow. Look at this sparkiness. Three hours fifty, New York. I think I think um yeah, but New York's flat. Um I think it's absolutely not. I think this is demonstrative of my point earlier about how bullied you are at school. Um, <laughs> the fact that you're peacocking on a podcast. <laughs> um, so, so, and then I also was like, well, I was, I just wasn't a good player. And, um, and I never got, I was always picked last and stuff like that. So I, uh, I just realized, you know, people said to me, you'd be quite a good referee because you're loud, you're confident, you know, you, you don't mind standing up to people and talking to people, you have presence and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, great. And so I started doing it. And, and actually it, I like the way it makes me feel as like an athlete. I like the fact that it makes me feel strong. It makes me feel fast. It makes me feel, feel like I'm looking after my body in a way. Um, I also, I'm so much higher up in football than I would ever have been as a player. Like I wouldn't have even got even close to refereeing in stadiums I've refed in going around the world um and and that's been really awesome and that makes me feel very good about myself and it's always good to do things that make you feel good about yourself right um and and I just like I like I like the effort and energy it takes to try and make football more accessible and a much better experience for everybody involved and as a referee you are directly influencing that experience of people um, don't get me wrong it doesn't always go that way but yeah I just I really view my view as a referee as as a guardian of the laws of the game as a guardian of the game like I'm trying to make the game better from how I found it to how I leave it do you know what I mean and and in my own yeah. little way I hope I, I have that effect on everyone I come across on the football fields obviously I don't not everybody I can't please everyone but I'd say majoritarily that's all I'm trying to do I would um, majoritarily is a word. No, absolutely not. It um, absolutely I, is. I would be very keen though to have listeners get in touch with us to let us know what was their motivation for coming. Oh, that'd I be suspect, amazing, wouldn't it? If we had a whole yeah. list of those. I mean, I, I think there'd be a uh, preponderance of people who would say that it was about need. You know, be their kid didn't have a you know a referee, or there was a shortage, or you know, their son was playing for the local team and the local club needed referee. I, I suspect most people 
get involved for that reason. But I'd, I'd really love to hear what other people's motivations were. I mean, because I suspect there's a whole load of other whole load interesting of reasons. reasons. Yeah, yeah absolutely. People... Plus, like, I think the sense of resilience it builds, the fact you can earn some cash. Um, yeah, you know, fitness. I think it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one reason I got involved. I was like, I can get paid and keep fit. Why not? Like yeah, as an actor, yeah, that's a great absolutely. solution. Um, if I was your parents, I would, I would write a stern letter to Winchester boys school and say, uh, they want their money back because majoritarily is an adverb um, and it means in, bear in the... mostly for the most part. So you and your, you and your, no, that's on wiki, wiki shinery or whatever it's called. All right. So, um, you know, all your middle school nonsense, they clearly didn't teach you the fundamentals of English. Although the second thing that comes up when you search it on Shut up. Don't look at that. Google <laughs> is majoritarily real, real word. And the so, answer is, and the answer is, um, it means, we know uh, I'm right. Mostly or right, for the you. most part. Right. Is that not um, what I just said? There we go. Right. Should we get on? With, have we got any other questions? No, no, no. I think because I, I think we better we, do the law, right? Yeah, let's finish off the law twelve, and then I've got a few fun facts, and I think we can then start afresh our law thirteen uh, next week. And let's I have to say, I have to say, I'm bitterly disappointed that more people didn't get in touch. That I got one of the answers bang on last week. I thought people would be very proud of that. And I should just say, actually, I managed to get round. Uh, I've been away with work this week and I wanted to get my steps in. So I was going out for uh, walks on the um, Warwick University campus. And oh, I lovely. was listening to uh, your solo podcast you did in my absence. Uh, oh, right. I thought it was very, very good. Oh, yeah. thank you very much for answering the yeah. questions. I appreciate and that. You dealt with a, a whole load of um, our postbag questions to get mm -hmm. help clear some of our backlog. And I'm trying to remember, there's one specific. Um, question that you answered i thought really, really well i thought it was a really really good episode so well done oh um so we were um i went back and had a check on on where we got up to with last week's podcast and we had got to um the dealing with the team officials so we dealt with um you know the direct free kicks mm -hmm. indirect free kicks and all the sort of um things you get the cautions for mm -hmm. the cards for and it we came on to uh team officials and mm -hmm. I think this is I think this is all pretty straightforward. But anyway, um it's probably worth remembering. Can I can I just can I just bring up a point of order? Um, um you said last week that there is a a thing in the laws that if you have mistaken identity, you just give the card to the coach. That is true, but only in relation to the whole bench. That's not true of players. So if you've got the wrong, you can't say you don't know what player committed an offence. You can't then go and sanction the coach because of it. You still have to sanction a player or not. Right. I knew, I knew I'd read it somewhere in mm. Law 12 when I was doing my my homework. Um, homework, Adam, is where you read the laws in advance of the recording. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go to. I didn't go to Eton. So you didn't, you didn't um, get the. You didn't get the memo. No, but um, in 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 you know state comprehensives, we don't get homework, my friend. <laughs> we don't pay enough. Survival. We don't pay enough for that. <laughs> my poor taxes so, didn't go that far. The the law surrounding team officials, I think, just reflects common sense, but it's it's worth um, going through it. So where an offence is committed. Um, and the offender cannot be identified. So this is where I was getting it from. The senior team coach mm -hmm. present in the technical area will receive the sanction. So that's that 
you just clarified that. So, which is really useful, really useful. You know, Especially I mean, I, I because you can't get that. rid, of, you can't get rid of the physio, right? So, in order to make the physio shut up, you punish the coach. But I just that's just something that completely slipped yeah. my attention. I didn't know that at all. So it's no, quite useful good. to be reminded of it. But then it goes on to say, warning: the following offences should usually result in a warning, and repeated or blatant offences should result in a caution or sending off. And I I would imagine that if you said to somebody what the sorts of things that you know a team official could get cautioned for, and they didn't have the laws in front of them, I suspect they'd probably be able to run off most of the things on this list. So but let's be let's be fair. This list only repeated offences of these results in a yeah. or send off. So this is structured thus. Like, they do one thing, you then warn them, you say that's not yep. acceptable, can you please sort Repetition it out? Then the when they escalate cards. it, then it's a caution, then escalate it some more, it's a red. So it's a nice, like, three-step process to go through. Yeah. And that's designed to help you man-manage them. Um, as I say, I think these are all, you'd probably, most people would guess these. So entering the field of play um, in a... Sort of non-confrontational manner, and in fact, um, which they do all the time. And even entering the field of play in a respectful manner is something that they should be warned about. Mm. Um, friends cooperate with a with a match official, um, so that's you know an instruction or request from an assistant referee or from the fourth official, and failure to cooperate is a warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor low-level disagreement by word or action with a decision. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's really quite useful to remind yourself of as well. I mean, instinctively, I think you know that if a referee is sort of criticising you vocally, that you would expect a referee to go over and have a word with the the you know yeah. team official. But it's worth remembering that you know repetition that can result in cautions. And then finally, uh, leaving the confines of technical area um, where you don't commit any other offence is something they should be warned about. Um, and then it naturally flows from that that you know cautions are going to be issued for you know repetition of those things we've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few other things in there as well. So caution offences include, but not limited to, clearly and persistently not respecting the confines of the technical area. Well, that's dealt with that already. Yeah. Delaying the restart of play by their team. Um, again, I think instinct tells you that would be something you could caution for. Deliberately mm-hmm. entering the technical area of the opposing team. Um, dissent by words or actions, so kicking and throwing things like water bottles and objects, or actions showing a clear lack of respect for the match officials, such as sarcastic clapping. Mm. Uh, entering the the VAR review area, um, excessive persistent gesturing for a red or yellow card, uh, excessively showing the TV signal for VAR review, acting in a provocative or inflammatory manner, persistent unacceptable behaviour, including repeated warning offences. And showing a lack of respect for the game. So, I mean, that's a long-winded way of saying that it's really the gut feeling as to what you think would be worthy of a caution. I think, anyway, um, mm. there's nothing in there that particularly took me by surprise. I mean, no, no benches are always difficult um, yeah. to manage, um, and you know, we we say, in, or I say in my games, like generally, if I'm coming over, if like to my ARs. If I need to come over and deal with them, then it is not likely to end well for for whoever yeah. I'm talking to, because for them to disrupt the game that much at that point, if they're not listening to an AR and they haven't heeded the warning, so like almost like the warning section of this, I give responsibility to my ARs. 
then if they've not been able to take been able to to get on top of it with just the warning section and they feel like they need more help then if i'm coming over to deal with it it's it must be a cautionable offense by that point or a sending off offense um and 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 but you know when you don't have the joy of ars generally you know you can go over you can chat to them like and and also coaches love it like do it on the run if you can like like a goal kick run around and just say to them guys can you please not or whatever and then run away like don't stand there and open yourself up to it escalating very quickly there's a good clip of mine on youtube where i I was dealing with a coach asking him to get back into the technical area and and it escalated so quickly to a send-off immediately um just because he he was indignant about me asking him to get back in the technical area and his indignance just he just kept going through he, he ticked all of these off like so quickly and i was like you've given me no choice now it's got this far at this point you have to go and um and so it can with coaches escalate very fast a lot faster than it can with players players generally you can work with them a lot easier when it comes to discussion um, because they understand they have a responsibility to the other 11 men, whereas coaches kind of don't, or women, sorry, um, but coaches kind of don't in some way. It just it just always seems to spiral out of control too quickly, in my opinion, with them. And so I think you, that- you do have to keep your distance and, and try and coach them on the run and don't hang around asking for trouble. And I, I was going to sort of say, and you sort of touched upon it there, about it's slightly different considerations when you are, without assistance and i think that, mm. that you just need to have communication with them you know and i i think that's a good tip about doing it sort of like you know on the run whilst you're know, just as a getting back in position for a goal kick to be taken or something like that it doesn't make a big deal of it but you you've made your point you've given your warning mm. um and, you know if it's they, and and they appreciate that sometimes as well. They respect the fact that you've gone out of your way to to chat to them quickly, and you're just saying, "Mate, mate, can you just let it go now, thanks?" And then run off. And and they're like, "Oh, oh okay." You know, like they appreciate the fact you've not made a big deal of it as well. Um, and so that can sometimes really help you. Yeah. Um, so those those are the um, yellow card offences, and it sets out what the sending off offences are. And again, I think these are. It's sort of like aggravated versions of what we've just talked about. Or mm. um, so delaying the restart of play um, by holding onto the ball, kicking the ball away, obstructing the movement of a player, uh, deliberately leaving the technical area to show dissent or remonstrate the match official, acting in a provocative or inflammatory manner, entering the opponent's technical area in an aggressive or confrontational manner, Mm-hmm. deliberately throwing up, kicking an object onto the field of play, entering the field of play to confront a match official. That includes that at half-time and full-time, interestingly, because we you, you see that happen a lot well, at, you, at the professional you know, level. If, if, if a coach is coming over to talk to you and you're going to card him for the simple fact that he's coming over to talk to you, I think that's going to cause you more problems and it's going to solve. I so I think, you know, don't... I think confronting is the word here like how would you define confronting it doesn't mean coming up for a discussion about something it doesn't mean needing needing a chat about something this means like walking straight towards you hell for leather wanting wanting a row with you wanting to cause problems with you i i think that one that this is this comes down to like that gray area of refereeing yeah whereas if you look at it in a black and white situation most most games and most coaches, I'm ending up with a coach on a red card 
because of this law if I looked yeah. at refereeing black and white. Yeah, whereas this is that gray zone where actually what's better for the game is maybe you just have a discussion. Maybe you just appease his issues. Maybe you just placate him, go, yeah, all right, mate, see you later. Brilliant. Have a good half time. Thanks. And, and, and kind of deal with it that way. Um, so I would, I, I would urge caution with that one, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and then final ones, physical or aggressive behaviour, which includes spitting and biting towards an opposing player, substitute team, uh, official match, physical spectator, any other person, uh, um, receiving a second caution, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, line with the usual laws, uh, using offensive, insulting or abusive language and reactions, well, the same as for a player, mm-hmm. and using unauthorised electronic or communication equipment and or behaving in an inappropriate manner as a result of using electronic or communication equipment. That's interesting. Um, we get that. We get that in our games because coaches go in at yeah. half time. They watch they watch the live stream on YouTube if there's been like a, a penalty denied. Uh, this really? was one this was one of the issues with um with the, the coach I had to send off. Um I'm pretty sure like he was aggravated that I didn't give him a penalty for a collision in the box that was off the ball. And I'm pretty sure at half time they've gone in, they've reviewed it, they've watched it, and then they've come out wound up for the second half. And he's not been willing to to let it go because he was, you know, and and it says in our competition rules, they're not allowed to do that, but it's their dressing room who's stopping them. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm I'm not sure that 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 this law actually covers that scenario. I don't think think this law prohibits them from reviewing footage. It's a, new, because... it's a new thing, right? Like, I suppose it's not at the professional level, but at our level, it's it's relatively new. Like these VO cameras, they're great. They're great, but they can cause problems when you know when they think they can dig a referee out at half time for a decision he's made, and and because it because at full time when they have to review it at full time, there's an element of you don't have to see them again until five weeks later and they've all calmed down. But when it's happened at half time and it's impacting the way they're managing themselves in the second half, it is a big problem. But I think this is, I think this is aimed at, I'm trying to think of what it exactly is aimed at. I don't think it's aimed at people reviewing footage because I don't think that the law prevents that. But I'm trying to think what this might be. It's aimed at, it's aimed at giving them communications kits. Yeah. It's aimed at, um, it's aimed at like calling the goalkeeper on the mobile phone or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, aimed at, it's aimed at silly stuff like that, right? Um, so, yes. Or um, or it might be aimed at filming referees for footage in a threatening manner. Like, I'm going to film you because I'm going to write a report about you or whatever. It could be aimed at that. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then the final one is violent conduct. And then the last category on this particular aspect of the law is <laughs> offences where an object... Um, brackets, all the ball is thrown. Uh, and in all cases, the referee takes the appropriate disciplinary action. Reckless is uh, you caution the offender for unsupported behaviour and using excessive force, you obviously send off the offender for um, violent conduct. It, to think is what it could also mean, be... But... Sorry, I'm just going back to electronic or communication equipment. It could be yeah. using a megaphone. Yeah. That, that, that would, Not that I've ever had it, but I wouldn't No, but that, that, that would has. fall within that definition. Yeah, I mean, absolutely I, right. It's... Right, deep breath, because we're still not finished. Law number 12, which is <laughs> interminable. Um, Restarts, which are so I mean, important. We've still got one final section. section we're nearly there, and then we're on free kicks. 12, and then we're... Do you want me to read this one? Yeah, go for it. If the ball is out of play, 
play is restarted according to the previous decision. If the ball is in play and a player commits a physical offence inside the field of play against an opponent, an indirect or direct free kick or penalty kick is the restart of play. A teammate, substitute, substituted or sent off player, team official or a match official, a direct free kick or penalty kick. Did that make sense? Um, I'm not sure. I'm many, not sure. How many wines have you had this night tonight? <laughs> I've only had, I've had one whilst we're sitting here. Um, right. In, so, so basically, this is saying that if the ball is out of play, play is restarted according to the previous decision. So, if say, say the ball's gone out for a throw-in, and then someone turns around and punches someone, you don't restart play of a free kick. You restart play with a throw-in. Right. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then if the ball yeah. is in play and a player turns around and punches someone, then you restart that with either an indirect or direct free kick according to the, to what the offence was. I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's a bloody difficult way of describing what was Just quite simply put instinctive, there you. instinctive yeah. reaction. I mean... Yeah. And then, and then again, it's... Uh, if it happens with a teammate, a substitute, substituted or sent-off player, team official or a match official, that's a direct free kick or penalty kick depending on where that player has impacted play while the ball is in play. Yeah. Cool. All verbal offences are penalised with an indirect free kick. Well, that just follows on what we said last week, which is... Yeah, about mine, my ball. Non-contact. Yeah. Um, For instance, did it being dealt with by indirect free kick? And that also covers covers you taking the ball all the way back from the attacking third to the defensive third because the left back wouldn't let something go. It's an indirect free kick. It's to basically stop a goal being scored directly from um, these kinds of issues. Yep. If the referee stops play for an offence committed by a player inside or outside the field of play against an outside agent, play is restarted with a dropped ball unless a free kick is awarded for leaving the field of play without the referee's permission. Against an outside agent. So if a dog runs on and a player kicks a dog then you start play of a drop ball. Yeah. But you still sanction the player for kicking the dog because that is dissent by word or action. Um, I mean, depending on your view of dogs, right? Um, oh, also depending on whether it's deliberate or not. I mean, oh, well, I don't dog, know. dog runs across. Yeah, as, okay, as that's fine. <laughs> but I don't think we need to deliberate <laughs> the, the, the issues of a dog being on the field. There was a game last year that I was reminded of a training on Thursday of like, there was a whole bunch of ducks in the middle of the field. This is a semi-final of like a cup or the semi-final of the league or whatever. And I had like five geese in the middle of the field. And I don't know why, but something in my head thought it would look good to try and usher these geese off of the field. And as I was doing it, my assistant was like, Adam, you look like such an idiot. I was like, yeah, I probably do actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't play until this damn goose had gone away. Um, if when the ball is in play, a player commits an offence against a match official... Oh, you missed, you missed, you've missed oh, a bit about sorry. the indirect free kick bit. Um, Did I not say that? Yeah. It, no, the indirect free kick is taken from the point on the boundary line where the player left the field of play. That's a lot, that right. didn't quite... That's for the infringement about people leaving where they yes. didn't have your permission. Okay, cool. Uh, which makes sense. Yeah. Then the last bits. If when the ball is in play, a player commits an offence against the match official or an opposing player, substitute, substituted or sent off player or team official or outside of the field of play, or a substitute, substituted or sent off player or team official commits an offence against or interferes with an opposing player or match official outside the field of play, 
play is restarted with a free kick on the boundary line nearest to where the offence strict interference occurred. Yeah, for a direct free kick offences, a penalty kick is awarded if this is within the offender's penalty area. What? It's basically in all situations, players restarted with a free kick on the boundary line. Um, yeah. If when the ball is in play, a player commits an offence against an official, an opposing player, substitute, substituted or sent off player or team. For, so anything that isn't another player. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't. That was a very wordy way of saying. Everyone who's not a player. Yeah. Ends up being on the touchline. I mean, doesn't. Yep. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's that's straightforward, isn't it? If an offence is committed outside the field of play by a player against the player, substitute, substitute the player or team official, basically anyone other than the technical areas, play is restarted with an indirect free kick on the boundary line closest to where the offence occurred. So if it happens off the field of play, you then start with a free indirect free kick on the field of play. Again, I don't think that's yeah too difficult. But I, I mean, these are such rare situations. No one's going to care how you restart play. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I agree with that as well. If a yeah. player makes contact with the ball with an object, so like if he takes off his, if a goalkeeper takes off his glove and throws it at the ball, um, play is restarted with a direct free kick or penalty kick. So that's quite a significant offence. Doesn't happen often, but say a goalkeeper, um, say a goalkeeper was wearing a baseball cap and he wanted to, come out he realized the ball had gone past him he took off his baseball cap and threw it at the ball to try and knock the ball off of its path then that would be restarted with a penalty kick yeah and again i think that even without having read that law that you'd have thought that that sort of it's an obvious infringement in the penalty area i've never seen it i've never never seen it it either um but i can understand why it has to be in there yeah no I, Um, I, i get it but I don't think I've not, not come across that before. And if a player who is on or off, also, I think you'd probably do the goalkeeper for denying an obvious scoring opportunity as well. If a player who is on or off the field of play throws or kicks an object, other than the match ball, <laughs> an opposing player, so you are allowed to kick the ball at each other, um, at an opposing substitute, substituted or sent off player, team official or match official or the match ball, um, play is restarted with a direct free kick from the position where the object struck or would have struck the person or the ball. That's interesting-ish. So it's not where the player kicked it. It's where the object ends up striking. Yeah, and it's also kind of weird that they draw a distinction between throwing an object at opposing players and throwing objects at substitutes or centre players or team officials or match officials. It's all just Um, a bit odd, isn't it? I would argue, I'd argue 98% of referees don't, really overthink this this side of it um no. if a substitute substituted or sent off player player temporarily off the field of play or team official throws or kicks an object onto the field of play and it interferes with play an opponent or match official play is restarted with a direct free kick or penalty kick where the object interfered with play or struck so basically if someone throws something onto play towards a player you give them a direct free kick at the point at which it struck as well and the great thing about if this, in the very unlikely situation that one of these absurd scenarios arose um, and you went with your gut feeling, I'm absolutely certain that no one else on the, on the, it's gonna on pull the pitch you off, off the pitch will say, no, Law 12, Part 4, 
Um, it should have been this and that, and it should have I'd, been here or there. They just won't I'd, know. I'd also sure. argue that in those situations, every like the match official is included in them. But I'd argue if anyone is doing any of those things towards you as a match official, don't restart play of a free kick. Abandon the freaking game. Yeah, no, I agree. So, Adam, that brings we got through us it. Finally, it took oh. us three episodes. Um, <laughs> Lord 12. Fine at the end of Lord 12. And next week, just to titillate the listeners, it's, uh, well, we're, we're not moving very far away. Is it the free topic. kick? It's free kick still. Yeah. Um, the, the good news is, is that I think a lot of this will be common knowledge to, to yeah, most referees and fans. And thankfully, it's not a particularly um, long law. So we should be able to complete that next week's episode. And the episode after that, just so people have got a, an idea of what's coming up. Law 14 is the penalty kick. Law 15 is the throw-in. Um, law 16, the goal kick. Um, law 17 is the corner kick. So we're sort of reaching the tail end of things. Tail end. We've got through and the... We've got through the... Um... What's the, the word? The, the, meat, the and drink. meat and drink, the thick of it. Yeah, yeah. Got through the thick of it. That's very, very true. So uh, we will know what that means, Adam, don't you? All that's left is for us to deal with my fun facts. Cue jingle. Again, you don't have to wait. Oh, good. <laughs> it's now time for Ed's fun facts. So I thought that um, given that the uh, Premiership season has just finished, um, I thought it would be interesting to look at some of the stats for the referees in the Premier League last season. Awesome. And I was rather surprised to learn that there is quite a, uh, a large volume of, of statistics available in relation to the uh, Premier League referees. So um, of the – there were um, – According to the stats that I've seen, there were uh, a total of 23 referees who refereed in the Premiership last season. Ooh. And those range from, uh, well, let me see if we can make this slightly interesting, give you a few oh, guesses. Got it, here we go. Um, the referees who uh, refereed the least number or made the least number of appearances in the Premier League last year Mm. Uh, how many do you think it was, Adam? Three appearances. No, it was only one appearance. Oh, there I was going to maybe was, suggest that, but there were he must have referees. had a really bad game. Well, you must, it must have been. <laughs> but looking at their stats... Every decision nothing, went so far. <laughs> because, the, interesting, the stats are available, which we're going to just deal with very briefly, are they, they keep a record of fouls per game in right. matches referee. Interesting. Uh, number of foul stroke tackles... Uh, penalty kicks, yellow cards, and red cards. So it's, right. it's quite good material. Mm. And looking at looking at the stats, those those officials that only did one appearance, um, Robert Madley and Josh Smith, their figures aren't broadly out from. Well, know, Robert, so... Robert Madley. Robert Madley used to be a Premier League ref, didn't he? Quite regularly. Yeah, so and then he, he went he abroad after his issue that he had, didn't he? Where he made a it was he the referee that made a comment about. An inappropriate comment about, uh, I think, about disability. I don't know. Caught, right. him. I think it might be him. But anyway, he so he moved board. He's come back to referee. I think his brother referees as well, doesn't he? I think there's, right. sort of, there's two of them. But anyway, so um, going back to the Premier League, um, and 
How what? How many appearances did the people with most appearances do last season, Adam? Oh, well, they play thirty-eight games, don't they? Each yeah. team, oh, probably a hundred games. Is that possible? No, no, because there's only so many weeks. Uh, let's go. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Twenty-eight. <laughs> Those, that comprehensive education really is <laughs> coming back to part you. Touche. 28, <laughs> 28 games. Um, pretty close. Yeah. 30, yeah. 30 okay. yeah. games. And um, you, I think you probably, well, I don't know how up to speed you are with the premiership referees, but there were three referees who made 30 appearances um, mm-hmm. in the Prem last season. Uh, and I think they would be what most Quite people... They were the most obvious candidates. So Michael who, Oliver. He is uh, one of the three, yeah. Anthony Taylor. He's one of the three. Well, I'd be struggling for the next one. Um, don't know. Uh, no, not sure. I wouldn't. I don't think I could name another Did, Premier League. So it was um, Paul Tierney. Um, oh, is Paul the Tierney. Yeah, okay. Other one. And I was right about um, Madly having a brother because his his um there are two Madleys in the top 23. Andy Madley is um made 24 appearances uh last season. But yeah, there's a whole lot of names that most people would be familiar with. You know, um Chris Kavanagh. Stuart Atwell, oh, yeah, sure. uh, Chris Kavanagh, Darren England, uh Andre Mara. Oh, of um, course. Is he still going? Oh, he's retired, isn't he now? Yeah, he's retired, but he he's he did 13 career. games um mm. this season. So uh just some interesting stats. Um let's just focus on those top three, Michael Oliver, Paul Tierney, and Anthony Taylor, just to see how broadly consistent they are, which is what you'd mm-hmm. expect of people of that caliber. Number of fouls per game. Per game. Oh. Per Michael Oliver. Early 30s, maybe? No, not that many. No, 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 other than that, yeah, maybe late teens, 17, 18. Uh, so for Michael, it was 21.33 fouls per game, yeah, okay. Uh, and the others are very broadly similar. Paul Tierney, 20.97, so just less than that, and slightly below him. Uh, Anthony Taylor, 19.87. That's really interesting because that could tell you a lot about how you know how many times you feel like you're blowing your whistle in a game. If you feel like you're giving more than 20-ish fouls a game, then you probably are doing too much. There's there's generally not that many fouls in a game in general. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, um, I agree with that. So it's a good way of you knowing that stat. That's the Premier League guys. Like you should be probably close to that as well. Because football at that, you know, generally because um because levels are similar, you know, like you've got Premier League versus Premier League, or you got, you know, Div One men's versus Div One men's in your local community. The level of the players will be similar. I'd be surprised if if you if you feel like you're doing more than twenty fouls a game, then you probably need to look at you, what you're assessing yourself on what is a foul and what isn't. What's quite interesting, I was sort of saying about how statistically I couldn't see any obvious factors as to why those those two uh, at the bottom uh, had the least appearances, but they're actually, just more look, fouls. yeah, it's interesting that the are they, are they in their thirties? No, not not quite, but. So the bottom three, at number 21, there's uh, a chap called Tim Robinson who did two mm. appearances. Then it's Robert Madley did he one. Got, he Josh... got promoted, Tim Robinson. Did he? He's been promoted to the, the elite panel, yeah. So And Josh Smith is in last place with one appearance. But anyway, uh, 
Josh, Tim Robinson gave 28.5 fouls per game, which is quite significantly higher than than um, those we talked about. And then Robert Madley was 27, yeah, and then Josh was 25. High. So they they were, I think, probably the if not the highest, the, the probably the three highest. Um, and then what's also quite interesting is that Tim Robinson only did two appearances, uh, gave out nine yellow cards. So um, that's you know, average of 4.5 per game. Mm. Uh, and Robert Madley gave six in the one game that he refereed. So, wow. uh, and then Josh Smith did three in the game he did, which is interesting because when you go back then to look at... it's But um, in fairness to them, it's not overly fair because they're averages, right? So absolutely. the more games you do, you're going to pull it. They would have pulled that average down. They could have just got a bad game. Yeah, they could know? have had a bad game. But yeah. um, Like, I mean, like the players were bad, not them having a bad game. Like, no. You know, if you've only done three or four games, I, the averages I agree. are going to be far more extreme. Although the fact that they have all that those stats and they only did a, a very small number of games suggests I didn't I didn't know I can't tell you which games were free and I can't tell you whether they had a good mm. or bad game, but it kind of suggests that perhaps they they didn't perform particularly well. But it's still harsher I thought to happen. You know, one appearance and to yeah, you know to be judged be on one appearance. Penalised for that. You know, it's a Premier League, like you're gonna. You know, it's going to take a while for you to settle into doing that. Like I know when I get, you know, like now I'm on FQPL one pretty regularly, and I, I feel very comfortable there. But the first time I was given an FQPL one game, I was like, oh, oh, oh big deep breaths. You know, you, you have a new event to deal with. You have a different a different standard to to raise yourself to. It's not it's not the easiest. Yeah, no. Um, just very quickly, just one of the other stats is number of fouls per tackle. Mm. Um, it's a bit well, number, I thought. number of fouls per tackle. What does that yeah, mean? fouls per tackle. So, how many? Uh, what proportion of fouls? What proportion of tackles were um, fouls? Was my Given interpretation of that? Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's quite it's low. I mean, uh, Michael Oliver is the highest of the top ones. He's not point six three. It's interesting. Um, so then, the what are they given? What are they given fouls for? What? Oh, how many tackles in a game resulted in fouls? Right. That makes yeah. sense. So what does that tell you? That Does that tell you that Michael Oliver is generally letting play flow as much as possible? I think so. Yeah. And I think... And and, and the guys at the bottom of the list, are, are their stats a lot higher? Um, let's have a quick look. I think uh, in terms of um, fouls per game... Yeah, but but so Tim Robinson is at twenty first was is zero point nine seven. Then Robert Mad is zero point seven nine, and then so Josh is zero point eight nine. So they've so. got they've got more fouls per game. That they yeah. see more fouls in a tackle, right? So, it, yeah. what that what that leads to is that leads to them disrupting the flow of the game too much, and that's probably um, inferring into that, which is one reason you know, and that frustrates players, that frustrates fans, that frustrates managers, coaches. When you're you're not letting just you know you're not letting things ride enough, you're not letting players just get on with it. Especially at that level, players just love to play. They don't care too much about the fouls and stuff, um, other than the big obvious ones. You don't need to penalise those nitty gritty ones, and so because it does just disrupt the flow, and and so that's really interesting. Um, and then the last stat is just in relation to yellow and red cards, which I thought were quite interesting. Uh, so just dealing in with the top three referees, Michael Oliver, Paul Tierney, and Anthony Taylor, mm-hmm. um, how many yellow cards, let's do with Michael Oliver first, how many yellow cards do you think he gave out in the 30 games that he did last season? Uh, 
30 games, 10 a game, that'd be 300, less than that. 170? No, it's really quite much lower than that. It's 87. Wow. So his average is 2.9 yellows per game. Quite low, isn't it? That's quite very low. That's very good. Interestingly, Paul Tierney and Anthony Taylor, who are, you know, the the two others that did the most appearances that season, significantly more. Both of them gave 114 yellows uh, mm, per, per, uh, per season. So their ratio is 3.8 yellows per game. Um, and I'm just having a very quick look. I'm trying to oh, see. What, sorry, any... what was Michael's? What was Michael's ratio? Michael's two point nine per game. That's so interesting. Eighty seven. So he's quite significantly lower. Because I'd like, um, I, I, I believe, I believe in trying to keep the book as balanced as possible. Okay, now it can't always be done, but basically, you know, trying to walk away so you've got two yellows on each team most of the time each game is generally. You know, a good way of if if you're coming out with things close like that, maybe two to one or three to two, like generally you're probably seeing the game in a, in the right manner. Whereas if you're constantly coming out with one team with seven and one team with no zero, then you've got issues there. So the fact that both falling on on even numbers would suggest, like the other two, Anthony Taylor and Paul Tierney, would suggest they're probably balancing their books quite well. Um, and, and, and they, it matters less when you're doing when you're giving out less yellow. So Michael Oliver, the fact he's only given three a game, he's probably coming out with two, two for one team, one for another. Easy peasy job done. Um, you know, like when it's that fewer number, not many people worry too much. And then final stat, final fun fact is this in relation to red cards. So Michael Oliver, 30 appearances 30? last season. Oh, 30 appearances. No, no, no. Yeah. Just say 30 uh, red cards. That seems high. How many red cards, Adam? Six. Only one red card. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, and Paul Tierney? Again, five. Yeah, he was two. And yeah. then, interestingly, Anthony Taylor, of the three who did the most appearances last year, he had the gave out the highest. He gave four red cards, which is a ratio of 0.13 reds per game. And Again, just something you that just goes through, to show, doesn't it? Like... I'd say probably the majority of red cards in community football are nearly all for dissent. Uh, not all, but a lot of them are for like swearing, are for issues, for physical contact issues, um, as opposed to necessarily footballing issues, because you don't end up giving that many red cards for footballing issues. So if you are given a lot of red cards and you're having a lot of problems to deal with and stuff, then you have to ask yourself, how am I managing those situations? How am I preparing players to not go in with two feet? How am I communicating to players on the move, on the run? How am I discussing it with them during the game to try and stop them from doing something really stupid, right? Now, it can't always be done, I appreciate, but it just goes to show at the elite level, in in footballing terms, you never give out that many red cards for no. footballing reasons. And so if you are walking away with a red card every week, then you've got to sit down and look at yourself and be like, what what am I what can I do to help reduce that number? How can I somehow get that number down? Like I'm I'm always surprised when I don't give out many red cards. Like, you know, I, I think this season I've given, I've gave one to a coach. Um and we're halfway through the season. Uh, and I sent off I sent off one player in on 23's game. That's it. In senior football, I don't think I've given a single red card. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with man management and the communication in and around the tackle, in and around contact, 
reminding players to not be stupid. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the role of the referee is to almost keep players on the field, not get rid of players. Well, it's interesting because Anthony Taylor, who uh, I've told you already got gave out four red cards a season, he gave out the most red cards all, of all Premier refs last season. So it's four to the Mm. And the final fun fact... And he did do um, 30, what do you do? 30 yeah, games. Yeah, 30 games, yeah. yeah. It's final fact, of the 23 uh, Prem referees, ranging from one up to 30 appearances, uh, how many referees gave out no red cards last season? The vast majority, two-thirds of them. No, it was only seven. It was oh, okay. Most, most, most refs gave out... Had a one, two, or three red cards during the course of the season. Mm. Anyway, I thought that was interesting to get mm. some fun facts about um, elite referees from last season. Does, does, do those stats mean that we need to change the name of this podcast? Because clearly, reds don't occur as often in football as we think they do. <laughs> Mostly yellow, sometimes red. Yeah, why not? Podcast. <laughs> Unless you're Michael <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> I'm not not we're not changing the name of our podcast now. We're stuck with it. But, uh, Fair enough. So there we go. That's it for this week. Lovely um, stuff. Have a lovely game later on today. I will. Thank you. Again, live streamed for you. What? Kickoffs at six. So it'll be at like 9am tomorrow morning. Oh. Yeah. Um, and did you put, did we put the links anywhere on the socials as to where we can watch these streams? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I put it on the Instagram story a little while back. Um, okay, can we do back. it again maybe if you remember for yeah, your game? Yeah, you can just Google FQPL1. On, on YouTube and it'll come through. I suppose I said Google F- it, but on YouTube, FQPL one. one. So if you want to watch my game from last week, it was Western Pride. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was Wynnum Wolves versus Southside Eagles. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, FQPL one, Football Queensland, Premier League one. Oh, and um, also I bumped into uh, Joey, who's our contact at Process Sports at training on Tuesday and Thursday. He was there both days. He's lovely. He's an A-League uh official actually uh linesman and he did the var course so i look forward to chatting to him about that at some point but great. um yeah he's our contact at process sports and he said that people have been using the code which is great so don't forget you can get your 10 percent off at processsports.com um for any refereeing equipment if you're in australia and for those of you in the uk it is the refereestore.co.uk and you're remembering to put in the Discount code red or yellow 10 or one word for your 10% discount for all your refereeing accessories. And it's, so the, same, there we go. it's the same code at both stores. Perfect. So thanks awesome. again to those for their support. As always. And yeah, hopefully Adam will record another episode next week and get closer to finishing off the laws before the UK season begins again. We're getting there, aren't we? How exciting. We you have an awesome week, my friend. You too. Nice seeing you. Likewise. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Red or Yellow. You're clearly a very fit listener. May I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any colleagues or refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please send them in to us. Voice notes can be sent to redoryellowpod at gmail.com or you can contact us on social media. It's at Red or Yellow Pod. Have the most wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. Ciao, ciao.